Sedquis custodiat ipsos custodes. I would say, pardon my French, but that's actually Latin. At least it's my pronunciation of Latin, which may be wrong. But what it means is who guards the guardians. It was said by Juvenal 2,000 years ago, perhaps. And he was worried about who guards the guardians. He was worried about who's in charge of the people who are in charge. That's always a good question. There was a time, uh, perhaps, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, when um, the highest speed train in the Northeast here, which always had the fastest Amtrak trains, it was called a Metroliner. These precede the current Acellas. And on these Metroliners, one day, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court was traveling from Washington up to New York for a meeting. And there was a man smoking a cigar in the first class car, which was allowed. You were allowed to smoke on public conveyances, including cigars. And the chief justice said to the first class attendant, please ask that man to stop smoking the cigar. You can smell it throughout the entire car. And the first class attendant said, sir, I can't do that. There is no law against it. He's telling the Supreme Court's chief justice, and I can't stop it. So outraged, when the chief justice returned to Washington, he got a hold of a bunch of his uh, friends and colleagues and acquaintances in Congress, and they passed a law forbidding smoking uh, on Amtrak. And that's what happened. A a very important custodian was outraged, and he stopped the practice like that. And we are a a country that very much uh, is subject to the whim sometimes of those in power. So tell me something. Does the governor or the mayor or the police chief ever stand in line at the Division of Motor Vehicles? No, they don't. And you know, that's part of the problem. They don't experience what the rest of us experience. Now, power can be based on a lot of things. I've isolated five for the sake of my discussion here on the uncomfortable truth. The first is charisma and respect. I think Gandhi exercised power that way. Martin Luther King exercised power that way. They had great charisma. People respected their points of view and what they were trying to achieve. Then there's a hierarchical conformance, uh, and that would be a a CEO. Uh, People followed the lead of uh, the CEO at uh, Wells Fargo or Volkswagen and thought they were doing what those people so desired. And as a matter of fact, the Volkswagen CEO has since been indicted for crimes in Germany because of the horrible fuel emission crisis that they lied about. That's hierarchical conformance. Then there's rewards and punishment. And a lot of officials can reward and punish. Now, company managers and leaders and executives can do that, but so can customs agents. And so can people who uh, provide sort of petty power. TSA people can reward and punish, send you through quickly or not, confiscate something or not. Then power is also based on resources. People who have wealth, you can buy certain things. You're respected for certain things. You command certain things. I mean, in all candor, I have a lot more power than other people because I have wealth, and I understand that. I try to use it prudently, but I do use it. And then there's a power of expertise, and I would say Bill Gates would be an example of that. Bill uh, Gates exercised power because uh, he knew so much about technology and how how it could be used and what to do about it and how to market it. So three of these five I mentioned are really about manipulation. We've had terms in society like robber barons, 
Uh, I heard a great phrase once. I don't know who said it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't me, but uh, it's a great phrase. Behind every great fortune is a crime. I said that to my wife once when we walked out of the Breakers the mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. If you're not familiar with the Breakers, it was uh, one of the greatest mansions of the Golden Age, the late 1800s. And we were walking out at the end of a tour, and I said, you know, behind every great fortune is a crime. I heard that somewhere. And the docent who had uh, led our tour said, you can say that again. People were scared in Enron, and they were scared in Wells Fargo, and they were scared in Volkswagen. And they're scared today in places we haven't yet heard from, but we probably will for some of them, not all of them, scared to the extent that they fell in line. They became subject to other people's power, even though the power might be unscrupulous, even though the power may be unjustly used and applied because they were scared for their jobs, scared for their lives. I think the entire Me Too movement has brought to uh, the forefront the fact of how much people, women and gay men, can be intimidated because of the power of men who exercise it completely inappropriately. But doesn't our system have checks and balances? You know, there are three branches of government. The whole thing is about checks and balances. So no one should be able to simply exert unlimited and unfair and inappropriate power, should they? Well, you know, I served on a theater board, a regional theater. It won a Tony, oh, decades ago. But it's a very highly regarded regional theater. I was on the board for about six years. I became chair of the strategy committee. But what I found was the chairman of the board and the artistic director and the managing director were all cozy. And they are today as well. Years and years after I left the board, they're still cozy. There's been some changes in personnel. But when they're cozy like that, there are no real checks and balances. There's no real evaluation. And the theater suffered for it. I used to call them the three wise men. But the managing director was a lightweight, in my opinion. He was a friend of the artistic director, and he gave him a job because he had lost his previous one. Guess what? In another theater. There were reasons for that. But he brought him on board, and he was never critically evaluated. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Artistic directors aren't fairly evaluated when they're chummy with everybody. They select plays that are horrible. They select plays that don't bring in money. So polarization which we talk about a lot today, is paralyzing. But so is critical collegiality. Or perhaps I should say uncritical collegiality. So we can be paralyzed in a lot of ways, and power is usually at the basis of it one way or another. Now I'll give you one of my favorite examples in my rant here, and that is professors in universities and colleges who achieve tenure become a protected species. They're like snow leopards. They're like white rhinoceroses. You can't kill them. You can't kill a protected animal, even if it defecates on your shoes. Canadian geese are protected by the migratory, migratory fish and game act or something, and you can't kill them. But they're not endangered. They make a mess, and they're nasty. But you can't harm them. And you can't remove a tenured professor, even if he or she teaches a ridiculous, obscure, self-indulgent course while proselytizing for some radical political views with vulnerable students. 
these people exert unfettered power, and it hurts the educational process, and it hurts society. Do you know that in New York City, there's something called a rubber room for high school teachers? The teachers union is so strong, it's virtually impossible to fire a teacher, even if that teacher has been observed looking at pornography on a computer screen or has been charged with inappropriately touching a student. And so they report to this rubber room and they have to stay there eight hours a day. They don't get paid if they don't show up and they play cards and they read books and they, they do nothing at all and they're paid for it because they can't be fired. This is union power at its worst. You can leave an organization where power is abused, though many people don't. They stayed at Enron. They stayed at Volkswagen. They stayed at Wells Fargo, even though what was going on was obvious. They felt they couldn't get other jobs, which is rarely true. And other people don't leave organizations where power is abused because they want to be part of that abuse. They want to get to a position where they can use power like that. But, you know, you can't leave a government, can you, quite so easily? You have to give up your citizenship. Or at least you have to move overseas if you're in the United States, unless you go north or south. And not a whole lot of Americans, I think, want to live their lives in Mexico. Canada, maybe. But not many do. And in other countries, it's even more difficult. Where are you going to go? The press seems to only guard the conservative governors, not the liberal governors. That is... The press seems to be more intent on looking at the conservatives for criticism than the liberals. So what about all this? If that's the way it is in academia, and it's certainly that way in Hollywood, and it's that way in the media, I guess that leaves it to us. Who guards the guardians? We'd better do that. And that is the uncomfortable truth.